My mission is one that comes out of a vision that was created long, long ago. It is a mission and a vision to empower people, to make people realize that power is within them, that they too can do the things that they want to do. You know, this was stated by Representative Elijah Cummings, uh, a great, great man. And unfortunately, we lost him this past week. And I just wanted to take some time out and actually uh, talk about one of the things I appreciate most concerning this man. Uh, You know, he was a civil rights activist. And one of the main focuses that he had was to ensure that people like me with my skin uh, had a right to vote, that my voice was able to have some form of power uh, in this nation. And, you know, for that, I am eternally grateful. And I know a lot of folks are probably going to sit up here and talk about him and the impeachment deal and all this other stuff. Honestly, I could care less about that. You know, let's focus on things that matter. He was an impactful man uh, who did a lot for many people and was honored and revered in a lot of different circles. Even Senator Mitch McConnell, a Republican from Kentucky, uh, said that he counted uh, close friends and admirers from all across the political spectrum. And you don't make that statement without being one of those people. And so, you know, I just really, again, wanted to take the time out and say thank you. Thank you, Elijah Cummings, for who you are, for everything that you did. May you rest in power. Uh, May you be in heaven. And may I get the chance to ask you all kinds of cool questions one day. And with that, ladies and gents, let's get to Idlewild. Let's start this podcast, baby. focuses on pop culture, but he has some very interesting topics that he comes up with. And he had said that one of his original thoughts was in real life, you get the genuine person. And on the internet, you get a person playing a character. Hmm. So he thought that maybe around 10 years ago or so. Now he's come full circle and says, I no longer believe that to be true. I think in real life, you get the character that you want people to think you are. Oh, wow. And on the internet, <clears throat> you get who people really are. Chill out, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> hey, what's really good? How you doing? You good? You good? I think I'm good. I'm good too. Thanks for asking. I really appreciate that. Hey, welcome to another episode of I to I, short for Inspire to Inspire, a podcast that's all about being open, honest, real, rarely relevant, um, and looking to have conversations about faith, man, and just uh really willing to, to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. Uh, just keeping it real, man. Uh, but my name is Jordan, and as always, I'm glad to have you rocking with us. We got a lot to talk about on this episode, man. I feel like we're talking about everything. We're talking about know, sports. We're talking about, uh, you know, current affairs stuff. We're trying to keep everything Bible. We're talking about um, gluten. Yeah, gluten. I don't know. No, I do know why. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's let's not go there just yet. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that real, real soon. Uh, but for now, uh, just remember, as always, in our thanks, we do ask uh, that you would like, that you would share, that you would subscribe, that you would leave uh, kind messages on whatever social media platform you got, um, because this is grassroots. We're trying to make it work, and you know, fighting against algorithms ain't always the funnest thing. Uh, but we know uh, that this is the latest, greatest episode. Pray that it blesses you. Uh, leave me some feedback. Let me know how you think. Let me know what you think. And uh, without further ado, though, let's just start this thing, man. Let's have some fun. All right.
My name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And we are very, very excited, very glad to have you guys joining us uh, this evening. We are going to have another go there night. I was hoping to take a night off, but I guess I don't think we're ever going to do that. No, I think tonight we might want to put a trigger warning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess you you probably got a point because I don't know. If I see somebody in the streets right now, I probably can't run. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what happens when you love will make you do some crazy things. And uh, right now, love has me playing co-ed softball. And uh, co-ed softball has given me um, a partially strained adductor. Uh, so walking and running right now aren't very fun, uh, but I love my wife. And so that's, that's what I do because I love my wife. Baby, I love you. And, you know, we're going to get through this together because she got injured two weeks ago. Oh. So, yeah, you know, softball is a, is, a, is a contact sport. It's just the contact that you, you touch is air, and somehow that air, like, ruins your career and takes you out of the game. I hope you're not charging home plate, like running over a female catcher. You know, you got to do what it takes. <laughs> yeah. Win at all costs. Yeah, at all costs, bro. I'm yeah. so sorry. You know, the thing about co softball, I mean, equal rights. E- no, I'm not, I'm not even going to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I, I was just going to go with like co-ed softball being the second leading sport of concussions if you were charging. Yeah, catcher. you got a point. Yeah. But you know, the funny thing is like the, the highest or the most impactful concussions you get are not from football. They are from cheerleading. Really? Oh, well, they are falling from like 30 feet in the air. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we don't have time to talk about that. Anyway, tonight uh, we are, oh boy, yeah, we're doing it. Um, So tonight, topics to discuss, uh, how gluten avoidance determines your allegiance. (laughs) Oh, man. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Uh, Also, why LeBron has no choice but to win a championship this year. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think I really mean... I'm going to let you talk about that. I ain't got time. Uh, and then we're going to talk about how uh, we're going to do a forgiveness follow-up uh, that kind of got out of hand, um, especially with that deal in North Carolina. If you guys heard about that uh, this weekend, is actually pretty awesome and at the same time, really weird. Uh, and then we're dealing with uh, the deadliest non-emergency of 2019, uh, discussing yet another issue involving police in the, in the great state of Texas. Uh, but you know, we're just going to dive right into this and let's get to business. Uh, so knock, knock, who's there? A joke that goes out of hand involving (laughs) gluten and, uh, Devin, why don't you just bless us with that? Cause I don't even want to start this one with the freak. Well, so the first thing that I had read on this study, the title was that liberals are no more likely to express gluten avoidance than conservatives. (laughs) I will admit that I did find that funny, but then at the same time, it's thought-provoking because we do tend to put different sides in a box, and then the, of course, my mind always goes to what's the funniest thing about this, and I thought to myself, so perhaps someone who's not partaking in communion on a Sunday uh, shouldn't be judging their faith. It may just actually be like a physical condition. that They cannot eat the gluten. Yeah. Well, my whole thing is the the second that I, you told me about that, I was like, so if you are gluten intolerant, yeah, does that mean that you're not a, like is this is this this the determination of the elect? Mm. You know, is this how you can determine? Ooh. <laughs> who's the, Ooh. Who's I will say <laughs> in theology, the election doctrine was uh, one of the harder ones to uh, chew up and understand. Yeah, it, it felt full of gluten when we tried to process it. To I, be I bet I'm yes. pretty sure. Um, uh, but now, you know, now I'm wondering why, like, you know, somebody doesn't have like, you know, they have Ezekiel bread. Well, maybe now we can have Calvin bread. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Mark, Mark Hopkins. If My you ever listen to this, he's going to love that. Um, but no, so I mean, for those of y'all who don't know yet, the, the elect, that's just uh, uh, a preconceived notion. And for most theologians that uh, no matter what you do, uh, God is predetermined whether or not you are actually going to make it to heaven or not. And that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the electoral college. <laughs> yeah, nah, really doesn't. Maybe it does. Maybe Ooh, it, that's, that's for another podcast. <laughs> conspiracy theories be dang. Anyway, yeah, so could uh, continue. My bad, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, I did mean to interrupt that, but go ahead and continue. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was my my main joke about that. But I really did start to think, what does identify the left and the right? What are some of the things that we tend to stereotype? Some of the things that we say, oh, well, 
you know, people who uh, brew their own beer are, are hipsters, you know, <laughs> and then how do we determine left and right outside of just the political leans? And I definitely have heard people make jokes about vegans, vegetarians, gluten-free, basically anyone who's deemed to be quote unquote soft. Those jokes are made by the right about the left. Yeah. And anybody who wants to go to a gun range, wear sleeveless shirts at a barbecue, or ride a Harley Davidson is on the right. So, you know, you hear these same stereotypes. <sighs> Unfortunately, yes. And you took this in a much more yeah, so <laughs> educational this way. Was, this was supposed to be the joke. We were just supposed to have fun with this. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of grinding my gears to the point. <laughs> I was like, what? What the freak? Um, and and the reason I say that is because you know he, Devin, he knows how to unfortunately strike a match, um, <laughs> and and like Wiley Coyote in the room. Didn't you talk about that? It doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just uh, and in the room with all the dynamite, and that's exactly what he did with this because he said tribalism mindset will force us to embrace falsehoods, even if minor and unimportant about others. And I'm just like, yeah, well, you know. There should be no friend or foe in this because we're all people and we all have viewpoints. We all have values. Um, and the thing about this specifically concerning the right is this whole understanding of evangelical and how apparently all evangelicals are right. And I was like, aren't they? Nah. Oh. They can't be. So I did a little digging and it's kind of funny because... I don't know. I just, I just, I don't understand where people come from when they produce this. I don't, I'm not trying to blame any media handles. I'm not trying to blame anybody in particular, but where do you get your facts? And I know that not all facts are to be trusted. So please, before we approach this, just understand that I did my best to try and find sources that were legitimized. And I found one that came from somebody who, and I say, quote, spent years getting information and getting data to the point where they realized they can't trust anyone. And they said that this was still pretty legit. So I'm put that there. Just admit uh, it was Breitbart. <clears throat> Bro, okay. Nah, uh, that's. It's going to be an episode today. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I went and did some digging to get some facts on who is exactly who. Who is what as far as a faith base is concerned. And I would have you know, number one, that as far as faith bases, faith bases are concerned, not just Christianity, but faith in general, whether you are Muslim, Hindu, whatever the case may be, um, that the quote unquote left, also known as the Democrats, mm -hmm. actually have more of a percentage of faith than the right, also known as the Republicans do. Uh, Republicans have 37 percent of a faith base. 18% are in between with no lean and 44% are actually Democrat. Now, <clears throat> let me take this just a step further. When you break it down, I looked at all the major Christian mainlines that you could actually see in the United States of America. And this is what they gave us. And, and, and so let me give you, uh, what do you call this thing over here again? Yeah. So this is kind of the weighted percentages. Okay. Yeah. Weighted percentages yeah. of what would represent uh, the entire people group as far as these denominations of these uh, these Christian faiths are concerned. So, first of all, Catholic, 37% Republican, 44% Democratic. Yep. And this is where the, the rubber hits the road with all these quote-unquote evangelicals. So, evangelical Protestant, you would expect this, 50% to be Republican, and then 28% to be Democrat, 16% in between, not leaning anywhere. And, yep. and to contextualize this just real quick, of the quote-unquote Christian groups that were polled, 30% of this group was identified as Catholic, 35% identified as evangelical. So with the weighted average, yes, we, we could probably say that it's pretty close to 50-50 between the Catholic and evangelical if we kind of add them together based on the percentages that we're seeing. But then we get into some of the uh, smaller groups. Okay. And the first thing I'll do is I'll just go all the way down to the bottom. There's Orthodox Christians. Orthodox Christianity are all the people who believe in doing it the same way they did it back in 1672. That's just the way I'm going to say it. Mm -hmm. And about 34% of them were Republican, 22% in between, and 44% were Democrat. Mm -hmm. Then you hit the mainline Protestants. This is the quote-unquote non-evangelical 
uh, historical churches in the United States of America. And this was and 26% of that Christian group. So the, the third largest group. Exactly. And of them, it's pretty much almost a split uh, as 44% of Republican, 16% in between, and 40% Democrat. Here's where I have my problem with you beautiful evangelical white people. <laughs> there is a section in here that people, for some reason, continue to leave off. It's called the HBP, which stands for Historically Black Protestant. And that includes any evangelical historically black Protestants. And here's their percentages. 10% Republican. 10% no lean, which means that 80% are Democrat. Mm -hmm. 80, including evangelicals, anybody in the historical black Protestant line. And that has to include all of their denominations. It has to include all of anyone who would consider themselves an evangelical church. And so this leads me to ask questions I'll need to ask, like the same ones we've probably been asking for years. Like, is there some sort of segregation between the main lines of these evangelical churches? Or are we trying to dismiss the African-American sect of certain evangelical churches. And we don't need to break into all the conversations that I can have about how the United Methodists helped to birth the AME church or yeah, we're, we're not going to go there, but this, as I drop a pin um, and not to say you can hear a pin drop, literally the pin I was using to write just dropped. We're getting um, passionate in here. There's a lot of arm waving and that uh, shut up. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say that. I, I, I value and respect my, my, my beautiful white brother over here. I do. I love yes. him. He's my boy for life. But seriously, this is my whole thing. Like when we're talking about tribal mindset, this also means that we are pitting Christian against Christian. And I got a problem with that because in the book of Acts, chapter two, specifically, and also chapter four, it makes reference to these not even Christians, just these believers in Jesus Christ that are coming together, they're sharing, they're having everything in common. Um, and they're in one mind, one accord, and miracles are happening and signs and wonders, as they say, and they're seeing numbers added to them daily. You know, And then in Acts chapter 11, you get this understanding is all these people are coming together in Antioch and they are Jews and they are, I don't believe in the word Gentiles, we ain't got time to discuss that, uh, but people of all nations basically is what Gentiles means anyway. They're all coming together. They are all sharing. They're all having a relationship. And not only that, but some of them are probably getting married to each other. They probably having babies, all mm -hmm. these little mixed kids running all over the place. <laughs> they're breaking bread. They're worshiping together and they don't have a name for these people. And there's a pastor out there by the name of Derwin Gray. Shouts out to him. And he's literally getting a doctor to explain all this stuff to people and, and why we don't get along um, when we need to. And he says, and he makes reference to the fact that this is the first of only three times you see in the Bible that you see the appearance of the word Christian, because they didn't know what to call these people. So they start calling them Christian. And what he is basically trying to explain to us as he's working on his academic progress is that Christian is not just the confirmation of a new faith that was being birthed because of people's belief in Jesus. It was also the development of a people group, of a new ethnicity, if you will. And so what you are actually looking at here is that all these different people from all these different backgrounds are coming together and they are becoming one. And if they're becoming one, then they are the one tribe. You know, and that's everybody's favorite word to use in the church now. Every tribe, every tongue, all this good stuff. Um, but they're becoming one tribe. So when he sent me this and I saw a tribalism mindset and the fact that it will force falsehoods, things that are probably not true to continue to drive us apart and give us this chasm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just it kind of sent me on a tangent. So haha, -ha, joke, not funny. Yeah. Um, and it's just it, this is this is something else that he he helped me to understand. You know, we're talking about you know, a lot of diverse churches that are actually coming up in the United States of America. And we're acting like it's a 21st century phenomenon, but it's the first century norm. Right. So if it's the first century norm and we're supposed to be going by the guidelines of the Bible, we need to stop acting like this is something new. And we actually need to just start acting accordingly again, mm -hmm. because when it comes down to it, we have to remember that us as the quote unquote Gentiles, because if you're not a Jew, that's exactly what you are. You know, we were on the outside looking in and thankfully God had grace for us. And if he had grace for us, then he probably still has grace for us now. And I got a funny feeling that he's not a fan of the fact that people are continuing to drive wedges in the kingdom 
on the basis of whether or not you have allegiances to an elephant or an ass. Yeah. KJV. And that's okay because that's biblically used. That's why I said KJV. Uh, (laughs) So what I just want to add in kind of rounding out this topic was, yes, you can expect us to find an article talking about a gluten uh, allergy and turn it into how the church is segregated. We can absolutely <laughs> figure out that, you know, by, by a couple degrees and some uh, mathematical equations and whatnot. But okay. at, at the end of the day, looking at this, I thought what really stood out and what was really interesting was we as a nation and as a society believe that we have never been more polarizing. We've, we've never been more right. separate in our thought. And yet when we actually dig into and look at the numbers, we are not as segregated or divided, even as Christians, yeah. as we think we are. And so, as Jordan had mentioned a couple of times, that tribalism mindset, one of the things that I really wanted to underline here was even minor and unimportant things we will find as a way to drive a wedge, even if it means you know firing guns at a gun range or not wanting to eat gluten we identify those as being on one side or the other. The fact is we are all individuals. We can be made up of varying degrees of beliefs from one side or the other. So just falling in line with kind of what the group that you identify with believes in, that's certainly not <coughs> biblical. Hmm. And at the and it's probably not even reality. Nah, so. nah. <laughs> Except it is reality in my house next week just to kill the joke all the way through because... Ooh. I guess I'm going far left as my family and I are about to go keto. I would ask for your prayers Um, because, you know, I mean, Jesus said I'm the bread of life. So clearly bread is supposed to be a part of dirty lips. The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread, bro. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Just, 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 just pray. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'm trying to make light of the fact that this really ticked me off, but Hey, what can you do? Uh, Speaking of ticking people off. (laughs) The next topic, mm. I thought I turned Jordan down some rabbit hole looking up basically how segregated the church is Oops. Uh, by showing him a, a gluten article that I thought would be kind of funny. Um, he decided to tell me about a story that had happened in North Carolina mm. where a woman had kidnapped a child. And so I started reading it and I'm kind of reading through this and I'm like, okay, it just seems like a kind of a general news story. One of the interesting things that he drew my attention to was that this woman after, was it a couple of days? It's about three days. Three days. Uh, returned the child to a church in the area. Mm-hmm. And upon the return and re- being reunited with her stepmom, the stepmom basically said, thank you for not harming her. Thank you for returning her. And that's where... Jordan was mentioning yet another forgiveness moment. So yeah. this this woman did not <laughs> scream yeah. and holler and yell. Exactly. It was this. It was that efficative justice. Yes. Uh, where you know, it, almost restorative justice, but obviously you know there, there must still be justice had. It's just the fact that you know we were talking about Brant John last week, um, and I'll be real quick because this this man did some things with this. <laughs> But yeah, just talking about how Brant John was able to forgive Amber Geiger. And, you know, my, my prayer in that was that I was hoping it was a contagion, a contagion where even if somebody wronged you and you're justified in your feelings and, and how you want to handle the situation, you still look to the biblical response, which is forgiveness in spite of all. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there right now talking about forgiveness and I'm listening to them and I'm hearing them and it's cool. Um, and I don't have a problem with most of their approach, but at the end of the day, you know, if Jesus laid that format out, it's a problem for all of us because forgiveness is just supposed to be forgiveness and it's supposed to free us from the bitterness, the anger, the resentment and everything else that we feel. And you're not free from it if you're still focusing in on aspects of it. So I'm going to leave that there. And she appears to the stepmother appears to have really just let all that go. She got her Elsa on. She let the sucker go. And she all she did was she thanked the woman for not harming her stepchild. And that's amazing. And that was awesome enough in itself. And then this happened, and I set Devin off. I went uh, full-on internet investigator. Okay, I put on my <laughs> I put on my smoking jacket and pulled out my Sherlock Holmes pipe. 
And typically what I do when I see a news story is I try to read two or three sources. I would encourage anybody listening to this to do the same because you will find varying differences depending on the source that you read. And this was where I kind of started my little rabbit holing. So I look up the story that Jordan had given me and the first hit back is from Fox News. Mm. Now, I know that a lot of People who go to church listen to read and enjoy Fox News. This is not a judgment on you. As uh, somebody that I listen to almost on a daily basis, uh, Dan Lebetard says, I'm not telling you what to think. I'm just asking if you'd like to. Okay? So in trying to be as, as unbiased as I can, I went ahead and I read the Fox News. And it kind of just outlined the story very similar to uh, an AP story. And then there was a story from, I believe this happened in Greensboro. There was a story from a, a Greensboro news site, which was much more detailed. The difference between the Fox News and the Greensboro story basically alluded to the negligence of the stepmom. The Fox News story would make you think that the little girl was basically left at a playground next to a Dollar Tree and the stepmom was nowhere to be found. The Greensboro story explains it with a little bit more detail, explains that the playground is actually within the apartment complex that they live. It is at least uh, a block and a half away from the Dollar Tree and on the opposite side of the road. Yes, I did satellite image this to double check this. Okay? <laughs> this is where my sleuthing really got, got really lit here. Okay. Did you say? I did. Yes. Uh, that's not quite how you. Almost as bad as mom, I love you, but you know you say lit the wrong way. Just, just FYI, and and now you have somebody. Oh, I said it you. the wrong way just because I said it like a white person would. Is that no, what you're telling me? Just, that's not what the technical definition is. Just keep going. Oh my god, it was lit for me. Okay, it was the most <laughs> exciting hour I had this week. So I looked through oh, the satellite imagery, okay, and I found that this playground is directly in the middle of the apartment complex. So much so that there are apartments even blocking the view of it from said Dollar Tree. So it's not as though <laughs> this little girl was just left at some random playground. She was playing outside of her own apartment. She was also accompanied by her nine, seven, and five-year-old siblings. Now, do I think a nine, seven, and five-year-old get to add their age up to make a, an adult? No, of course not. No. But the neglect probably wasn't as demonstrative as the way the Fox story read. So from there, I made a horrendous mistake and I started reading through the comments <laughs> and, oh, and this is why, and, and I don't even know why okay. I was surprised, <clears throat> mm -hmm. but I started reading through the comments. And one of the things that I often hear from people who lean conservative is, you know, there's, there's not this, underlying racial divide. It's something that the media drives. Well, the comment section is not the media. The comment section is the readers. Mm -hmm. And I will just read one that stood out to me the most. It was liked by 11 different people. There were 200 or so some odd comments. And that one simply read, Indonesia, this was the name of the woman who was the abductor, it's spelled with N apostrophe, not a, a general spelling that white America is used to. So they definitely had some fun with that. But basically what it says is what kind of name is that? Ad nauseum is more like it. Primates continue to prove why they never should be free in society. 11 people liked this comment, meaning that people go in, read this, and they agree with a comment like that. That's clearly a prejudiced, racist comment. And so for people to say that it's just the media doing this, and this was only one comment of 250 that I did show Jordan. There were multiple others that were a little, yeah, <laughs> a little I'm worrying. Looking, I'm looking for the one. Yeah. I found it. Okay. I found and it. Uh, so, so read the other one. Yeah. Not, oh, see, that is, one. Yeah, yeah, that one's actually, that's the one. Yeah, so... He shows me the transcript of all this stuff. And I mean, I'm not trying to read all of it anyway, because I know what to expect on some of these things sometimes. I'm sorry. And, you know, just to keep it equal, 
MSNBC does the same thing. Yes, they do. And again, this is not a bashing. This is just an enlightening moment. No, forget the enlightening moment. I'm about to share. I'm about to tear (laughs) some stuff down. Um, No, but I'll tell you the reason why I had an issue with that in just a second. Uh, But yeah, there's one comment in particular that says the following. It's talking about the, the, the kidnapper. It's like, if she had just screamed... And then quotes, I want a baby, exclamation mark, unquote, in the street. At least 20 black women and 10 Hispanic women would have gladly handed one over. Sadly, you won't know who the dad is. Now, like I'm looking at that right there and I'm just like, here's the reason why I have a real issue with this. And this goes back to not just this. This goes back to everything on the social media handles and stuff. We talked about Facebook last week. If I look at this person's profile. As I have a habit of doing, and this is why this this stuff really takes me to my tree and really pisses me off. They make a statement like this. I click on your profile, and the first thing that I see is the following. In no particular order, wife or husband, you know what I'm saying, like father, mother. Um, but in the top three, you're always going to see this too. <clears throat> Jesus follower. Mm. You want to explain to me how you're a Jesus follower and you make this statement? Yep. So this is the thing that really, really ticks me off because I really wish that some people would just shut the freak up. And and the main reason why is because there are always going to be people on the outside looking in, and especially non-believers. And if I see if, if I'm a non-believer and I'm looking at something like this, I'm having a laugh. Mm-hmm. If you're a non-believer, but then if I'm supposed to be really seeking and I'm trying to find God, mm-hmm. whatever I think God is. And I'm making a case for certain things and, and I'm trying to develop my argument. My argument falls weak when I'm looking at certain Christians making statements like this because this is not love. Right. This is not really this is this isn't anything having to do with the love of God by any means. If you think that it is, then you are sadly mistaken and may God have mercy on your soul. Because this is dumb. Mm-hmm. It's really what it is. It's the only way WWJC to is what I like to say. What would Jesus comment? Yeah. Yeah. So if Jesus had a Facebook, (laughs) I don't know if he would type something quite like like that. If Jesus had a Facebook, bro, they'd, oh God. Yeah. So, Uh, well, you know, if Jesus had a Facebook, you know what he'd be? hmm. Unfollowed. Mm. Okay. (laughs) That's possible. I think that's more, isn't that more of a Twitter thing? Um, But that's neither. Unfriended, unfollow. I mean, so, you know, I hate to say the, the, uh, my, uh, one of my uh, senior leaders from, from back in the day, showed me his uh, least favorite verse in the Bible, and it's John 666. And I was like, oh, that would make perfect sense. Ooh. But you know what it is? It's it's the last uh, group of individuals who decided to stop following Jesus before Jesus was left with the 12. And I'm just like, hmm. Oh, interesting. That makes enough that sense, don't up. it? Yeah, yeah. How about that? So, But to, to kind of summarize the story, or at least my thoughts on the story, be careful the areas that you're willing to go and traffic in, the areas you're willing to go and get seek information in, because clearly this news story was surrounded by a lot of bigotry and a lot of hate in the comment section. And one of the things that I just heard this week from a gentleman named uh, Chuck Klosterman, who's basically a writer, uh, uh, reporter, and mainly focuses on pop culture, but he has some very interesting topics that he comes up with. And he had said that one of his original thoughts was in real life, you get the genuine person. And on the internet, you get a person playing a character. Hmm. So he thought that maybe around 10 years ago or so. Now he's come full circle and says, I no longer believe that to be true. I think in real life, you get the character that you want people to think you are. Oh, wow. And on the internet, <clears throat> you get who people really are. Chill out, bro. And a little bit of that goes back to what we talked about last week with the Facebook yeah. and how when you are identifying yourself in specific groups and finding the echo chambers and those mine hives that are the, the exact same thing, uh, you go ahead and, and jump on that. So I thought that that was just an interesting thing. So I would just challenge everybody. Be careful where you dabble. Be careful where you comment. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's that's wow. Yeah. I think that's the right time to go ahead and have a word from our sponsor. <laughs> How about that?
So yeah, let's talk about this uh this deal. Let's head back down to Texas. It's the great state of Texas. Love the great state of Texas, but not love any stories. Get on your horse and ride. Okay, that yeah. was that was, that was bad. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> former police officer, now former police officer, I uh, was charged in, in in uh the shooting death of a woman inside of her home. Um and <clears throat> you know, I just wanted to be fair in this. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I'm not one of those people, and I'm going to catch clap back again, but I don't care. Uh, I'm not a Black Lives Matter. I'm not a Blue Lives Matter. I'm a God's Children's Lives Matter, and all of us are God's children, so fight me. Mm. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm one who really wanted to kind of look into the whole process, and I actually have a couple of friends who are police officers, and I love them. Stand-up dudes filled with integrity and things. Um, and so it's a shakedown. Uh, this is why I was kind of curious. Uh, if you read the story, you know that it was a non-emergency call that was made by a neighbor uh, who saw that I think the door was open. I had a couple of lights on, wasn't sure what was going on. Um, and so he actually, like I said, made a non-emergency call. Um, and the officer showed up. <clears throat> Apparently, they parked down the street. Uh, they come up. And they kind of roam around the house. They have guns drawn already. Uh, and then we we know the rest of the story. Um, the the shooter uh, sees the individual in the house and then offers a warning and a shot. The entire process apparently takes about four seconds tops. Um, and in between the actual warning and the shot itself uh, was about two seconds. Yeah, so that's being uh, generous, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And it is. And, you know, as as sad as that is, you know, I just I wanted to make sure that I had all my grounds covered because I'm not trying to sit up here and attack this dude, attack his character. Like maybe this is part of his training. That's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to be as fair as possible. Um, And so I called and spoke with one of my friends uh, who is proud to wear the shield. Um, I do pretty much consider him a brother. So, you know, I told him I was like, yo, be honest with me, man. Tell me. If you were in this situation, what would you do? You know, and he offered me his vantage point. And just as a preface, it's not just that he is a, a police officer. He also he's former military. He is trained in combat in ways that I ain't never going to be trained. Um, so I'm glad to have his purview and his perspective. And he basically told me this. OK, based off of the information that he knows and the things that he would have done, um, we can say the following. Uh, he said, even in the case of a non-emergency call, if that neighbor called and said that something looked a slight suspicious, um, it is still going to be dispatched as a possible burglary. And so that makes sense. Yeah, it was, you know? it was that was surprising to hear you say, getting a little bit of context, a little bit of background on that, yeah. to hear you say, that's actually somewhat normal protocol i guess which is a little bit surprising but yeah it would be and and it's actually for that reason also uh that he said that um if he was in a police vehicle and he was to be going to that to to that place he wouldn't park in front of the house either um he would also park on the side of the road somewhere uh where the car could not be detected so right now you know i'm, I'm getting it i'm understanding um, what they're making, what what, what I'm trying to make sense of here as he's explaining it. Uh, and the thing that he said was, uh, you know, he will do um, everything he could to ensure that he got the best, I guess, you know, feel of the situation. I don't know. You know, if you're a police officer, if you're somebody who's, who's trained in this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, you want to assess everything. Yeah, exactly. Assess. Um, and God bless you for saying that word. Cause for some reason I just couldn't think about it in the moment. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Neither here nor there though. Um, and, but <clears throat> this is the one thing that he still said, even after all of that, um, the shot through the window, the word that he uses verbatim sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Sketchy, you know, and he's like, he, he doesn't know why he would have shot through the window. You know what I'm saying? Like he said in the moment, um, you know, all training be blessed. If if somebody has something in their hand and you can't really tell exactly what it is. And he said even if it was a cell phone, because a cell phone and um, a weapon uh, could could very well look or or at least be about the same size. 
Um, and then you have a split second to make a judgment call. Uh, he said, yeah, that that's something that he would definitely take into account as far as the, the shooting itself. Uh, but then after everything kind of unfolds, uh, you, you, you get to learn more and then you can see whether or not that judgment was right or wrong. But at the end of the day, that's something you can almost be at peace with. Um, but yeah, he was still saying, though, like when it came down to it, with the training that they're supposed to receive, to fire a shot into the house, knowing that if you're at a window, and this is my guess, you you have the opportunity to either duck or move into an area where you're not in front of a window. So if you're shot at, you know, there's something that could potentially potentially block be at a wall or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, you you know that you can do that and then assess the situation. I don't know. Maybe I've seen too many TV shows where I've seen people hide behind something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to ensure that they don't get shot at. I'm not sure. But the bottom line was he said that, that part, it was just, it's, it's actually entirely too sketchy. And when it comes down to it, um, you know, with, with him and his experience, he offered this this uh, this vantage point to me. Um, and I know you got something completely different that you want to add to it, and, and I'm all for it. Um, but you know, he was like, unfortunately, um, in, in some situations you have some individuals, whether they're just young and fresh faced, they haven't been on the force for long, or he said, to be perfectly honest with you, every now and again, you are going to have a type A individual who come in there and their sole purpose is to look for moments where they can quote unquote rise to the occasion. Right. Um, but in rising to the occasion, sometimes you still end up falling to the level of your training. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I was like, whoa, you know, um, because as much as I do appreciate um, anybody who's looking to protect and serve so that I can be a free worshiper in this country, you know what I'm saying? That's why I still love and appreciate our military. I don't have sure. a bad thing to say against them as far as, you know, stuff that um, has happened to me. And I, when I say that, hear me well, I am an individual who has been racially profiled, having been pulled over twice. Um, and one time there's pretty much an understanding that had it not been certain situations and circumstances, uh, like a good friend of mine being in the back of the car, having been in the military. And this is February, 2002, right after 9-11, 2001. Right. And them appreciating his service. Um, we, we were going to jail that night. And, you know, my mindset was all kind of out. And I just I, I had to do a lot to bring myself back in. But, you know, that's kind of off topic right here. Um, I'll be remiss in saying that, you know, having that understanding, having that appreciation. I know that just like there's bad apples in just by any profession mm-hmm. there. I, I don't want to call this dude one, but for lack of, of, of a better under, and especially now hearing from somebody who I know and trust. Right. Yeah. We jump to conclusions a lot in the face of evil acts. One of the things that I have matured into, I will say, is to try to find perspective and try to find some some truth and reality to it. I think you speaking with your friend who's a police officer was very enlightening. It does sound like while some of what this officer did is along the kind of normal lines of protocol. Some of what he did also is not. Mm-hmm. And that's where it took me to what is the perspective of this woman in the house now, right? It's a whole nother level of getting shot while you're in your own home versus, you know, out in front of a liquor store or mm-hmm. in your own car, even. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother level. Right. We're supposed to be safe in our own home. And I'm thinking there are protocols in place to protect both the citizens as well as the police. I don't think one of the protocols is to sneak around the backside of a house and peer in through windows and whatnot. Because Mm -hmm. if I'm inside of a house and somebody, she was with her nephew, I believe they were playing video games. Nephews. Yeah. 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 If a nephew's like, I saw flashlights outside. What am I going to do? I'm probably going to be like, what do you mean? Who's doing this? Right. And I'm certainly not thinking, oh, it's probably just the cops. (laughs) That's that's not my it's not where my logical mind is going to jump to. Okay. so what's the first thing that I'm going to do? I'm going to maybe go into a dark room and try to peek out a window and figure out what the heck is going on. If I have a weapon, 
I might go garner that weapon. As it turns out in the story, I guess there was a gun in the room. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, as you say, light a little match here because it was a thought that I had while you were speaking. And this is one of my favorite things to do. Oh, boy. I have a hard time understanding why certain groups who are pro this or pro that choose to be silent when certain things might not align with them. So, for instance, we have somebody who is shot through a window by a police officer in their home. And the quote unquote excuse is because the person may have been armed in their home. Does that not sound like a NRA thing to take up? Does that not sound like a gun rights thing? Oh, so now we can't even have guns in our own home where we're going to get shot? I'm just saying go that it's kind of an interesting concept. Oh, so if you're truly okay. about gun yeah, rights yeah, yeah. and an individual had a gun in their home while a police officer was breaking protocol, this kind of seems like, like a slam dunk gun rights story, right? Oh, so now we can't even have... I'm just saying, you know, it's not going to happen because <laughs> obviously there's too many other blurred lines going on here. Yeah. But I do think it's a interesting tidbit. Uh, you uh, like how I just dropped that on, on you? Yeah, no, nah, that was <laughs> that was definitely the brontosaurus ribs on the side of the Flintstone mobile. That's, oh, that's definitely Fred. what that was, man. Yeah. Hey, the the end of this that show just, you know, it it's a staple in my mind for a lot of different reasons. Um, probably because I like ribs more than anything, but still. Uh oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, I don't know. It, the and and my always try and keep a biblical mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I got to be honest. Like I don't know. I think that's one of the reasons why I. You know, we you know we just got finished having our fun conversation about uh, the right and the left and and everything that the right thinks and everything that the left thinks. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm not against having a weapon in your home. I, I think that you know we all have rights, mm-hmm. um, but you know I also think. The same thing uh, that most people apply in other ways to that one Bible verse: uh, all things are permissible, <laughs> but not all things are beneficial. Correct. You know, I yes. mean, that's I think that's the the realest part of this statement, and you know, I think it also works on both sides of this. I think it works on the side on the side considering um, individuals who decide to take up the shield, mm-hmm. knowing the responsibility, oh, um, and knowing everything that comes with it. You know, I just I I. I I will never dismiss that because I know that that still has to feel heavy. One of the things I talked about with uh, with my friend is just, you know, in in that moment, what, how are you feeling? What are you going through? And he's like, yeah, no, nah, man, like my heart's racing. It's going fast. Right. I don't know all the time what I'm um, thinking as far as like what I'm going to have to process. But he also said, though, but seriously, there's there's a training for that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like they yeah. put you in those situations. They put you in an incubation. Yeah. Um, and for some folks, for some departments, that's like months. Sometimes it's a year. Sometimes it's other things that are happening um, to ensure that by the time you actually really hit it, you don't find yourself in a situation where you make these really unfortunate mistakes. Right. You know, and so, you know, for me, I guess the thing that I would try my best to dumb it down to is just the understanding that, you know, um, God privileges everybody with something that somebody else is going to need one day, you know, and my prayer is that we don't take that for granted, that we take advantage of that. I mean, cause you know, this is my thing, you know, I'm, my, my plan, my aim is to be a pastor one day and do a whole lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that form of stewardship, it's heavier than anybody could ever imagine. And, yeah. you know, anybody who, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm really not trying to change the topic, but this is where I see this from. This is my vantage point. Um, any pastor who looks to take advantage of their flock for gain in any way, shape, form, or fashion mm-hmm. is worse than any police officer that is corrupt, <laughs> in my personal opinion. Right. You know what I'm saying? They should be and held they, to a higher, no, they need holier to be shot. standard. They just need to be shot. Forget oh, that. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, well, yeah, they would come need to be full circle on the gun rights. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and I figured that somebody could get with that if that's the case. Yeah. If nothing else, you know, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I'm serious though. And so, you know, I think that it serves its purpose in every avenue. Uh, but especially in this avenue as well, like, I don't know what this dude was thinking. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I'm not trying to sit up here and, d- like, pick apart his whole thing and judge it. And, yeah, to your extent, at the same time, yeah, like, we're going to talk about rights. We're going to talk about right. all those things. You know, at, at the end of the it's just it's all about 
being fiscally and spiritually and any other kind of responsible. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way I see it. And it's just like, if you're not responsible, unfortunately, there are consequences, even if it was a mistake, mm-hmm. you know, because that mistake, like, think about all the things that probably could have led up to that mistake mm-hmm. and what could have been done or what wasn't done or what, you know, and that that's for him to deal with. Yeah. And ultimately he's going to have to have that conversation with whomever, and, you know, maybe I'm trying to continue with the, <laughs> with the contagion, but maybe this lady's family decides to forgive this dude. And maybe we can have a conversation in the, in, in the process. Maybe he opens up. That's what hard, restorative hard justice is really all about. Yeah. You know, so we've seen it happen. Yeah. We've seen it happen recently. Mm. Yeah. And back to the social media, I had been reading a couple of uh, posts about this story itself. And it, it's oh it's amazing how, how just toxic some of this stuff can get. And when I'm reading through this, I've become it, it's probably since I became a father, you become a lot more empathetic. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have called myself a, a very empathetic person in my 20s. Um, I'm definitely more so now. Uh, I do cry easily at films. You know this. I've explained this to you. Yeah. And uh, I immediately kind of had my little Matthew McConaughey time to kill moment here where when I was reading <laughs> through this story and people are trying to dismiss, well, what does it matter if the victim's black? And it's like that is that is such an irresponsible dismissal of what's going on because of how frequently this stuff is happening. And so it does matter. We need to start identifying ourselves as though we were the victim or or as though we knew the victim. And that allows us to maybe find, I'll use the word again, some perspective on what people might be going through in this case or in other cases around the country. And so I took a moment and I thought about this and I was just thinking, imagine if my wife or my mom or my uh, aunt was in the house they are with my boys, maybe, and my boys or, or she notices something weird going on outside and flashlights and, and they go around and they're, they're, of course, not thinking anything about that. And here we have cops who are responding to a non-emergency call who elect to sneak around the outside of the house. And my wife, mother, aunt, whoever it may be, is shot dead in our own home. Yeah. Just put yourself in that position for a second. And yes, in that place, it might not matter the the color of the person or the context of, of what went down. But as a greater case study of what's going on in society, this is happening more frequently to some people and not others. And the bottom line is, if it happened to anybody that you cared about or anybody that you loved, just put yourself there for a minute. Wow. So. Yeah. Has a roll. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Well. All right. It's about gathering a good amount of understanding there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of understanding or not or having misunderstandings understanding. Or misunderstandings yeah. or goodness <laughs> hey, gracious. Here we go. You know, I think I, just, I really just want to leave this one to you. I'll probably put my two cents in here, but yeah, go ahead. And I know. Let's talk yeah, about we'll talk about, we'll talk and, about the and, king. And Hong Kong. Um, you know, my, my first reaction to this whole LeBron story. King Kong? King, oh, King Kong? Yeah. Oh, you got nothing on me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I will tell you is my first reaction was, was legitimate disappointment mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons. One being LeBron is the best player on the one sports franchise that I truly do care about. Okay. There's other franchises that I follow, but I'm a fair weather fan because I don't got time to support you when you suck. Okay. But when it comes to to everybody in Atlanta and New York and wherever else you are, but the, the bottom line is that, we're consumers. We should be consuming things we want to consume. No right. one wants to consume losing. So don't feel like you have to buy season tickets if your team is terrible. Okay. I'm just, let me get that rant away. So what, are you trying to say but, that everybody in the state of Virginia, that's a Redskins fan? Yeah. I don't know what y'all do. Huh. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're just uh, continuing to pay a incompetent owner. We just, um, we just yeah. started. So, so oh, let's man. go back God. to LeBron. Dang okay. It. All right, so it's the only thing that in sports that I truly, truly care about yeah. is the Lakers. And is LeBron, and anybody who knows me knows this. And I was excited to get LeBron, not only because he's a generational talent, mm-hmm. but
but he also is a very shrewd and intelligent, not only businessman, and part of this might be why he did what he did, but I think he's a shrewd and thoughtful individual. Mm -hmm. The only mistake that we can really reflect back on throughout his career when it comes to not on the court, but off the court stuff was the decision. The decision was like <laughs> this moment where you're like, what? This guy hasn't done anything that was so glaringly bizarre that people were able to openly criticize pretty much with impunity. The decision was that moment. And I mean, since then he's turned all of that around. Like people don't really think about that. He honored the restoration of his hairline. Well, yeah, but you know, a lot of people do that. A lot of people wear no, wigs. Bro, that should be a 30 for 30. It's not a wig. Oh, no. It should be 30 for 30. No. I'm, no, I'm just saying. Hey, ESPN, pick that up for real. Yeah, seriously. And okay. give us produ producer credits. My, um, my bad. Go ahead. So, so where the disappointment really came from is, first off, I'm a fan of, of the player and I'm a fan of the person. Because mm -hmm. I do believe he's done some great things for uh, underprivileged kids in Cleveland. I believe he's doing that for kids in L.A., I do believe, even though Charles Barkley years ago said, I'm not a role model, I do believe that LeBron has decided to take up the torch and say, you know what, I, I want to be a role model. And I'm always impressed by people who, when given a platform, choose to use it to do what they deem to be good. Okay, We might not always agree with everything that they're doing, but his intentions are to be good and to, and to make an impact. And so I was disappointed because a lot of the stuff that he's done over the last two years because of his statements about Hong Kong, are probably going to be undermined. I own a more than an athlete sweatshirt. I watched Nike.com for the better part of a month waiting for it to come out because I wanted this sweatshirt. Because not only did I want it because LeBron and it looks kind of cool, but I also really appreciated the message. Yeah. Because after the shut up and dribble back oh, in gosh. 2018 came out and – LeBron very eloquently went about that whole situation yeah. in a way saying, you know, that's not right. That's not fair. And I very much thought he was being targeted unfairly during that situation. Mm -hmm. And then he also tweeted January 15th, 2018, in the words of Martin Luther King, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Right. And sure enough, he chose to come out against what is a pretty obvious thing for most of Americans. I don't think the support of democracy in Hong Kong is an overly polarizing topic. Like if we're getting an 80% to 20% consensus that, that's about as good as we're going to get. And we're probably there with that. Hmm. And he chose to go on the 20%. Um, and he did it in a way calling Daryl Morey uneducated and uninformed and followed that up with, well, it's my belief that he's uneducated and uninformed. So basically you're uninformed about someone being uninformed. And it, it just, he just dug himself a deeper and deeper hole. And, you know, so as a, as a Christian, I'm looking at this and going, I, I want to be really upset as a fan and as a, as a human because, goodness gracious, I've been standing up for this guy and telling people he's a good person, people who don't like him, whatever. But now they, they can just discredit everything he's done because of this one thing. I don't think that that's fair. I don't think it's fair to anybody. Yeah. Um, redemption stories are the, a very common theme when it comes to biblical and Christian teachings. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> and uh, to your point, you think his redemption arc which I will totally go for, is rising out of the ashes <laughs> with the Larry O'Brien. <laughs> so, yes, okay, this is where the fandom comes in. Am I okay with LeBron being pro-communism but getting a championship? Maybe. I'm not sure. I have to figure that out. I have so, to pray on that. I have oh, to wow. pray on that. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, yeah, like I said, that's just the bottom line. I, I was just saying it so that people could forget about it because that's how our – culture treats people it's highly unfortunate but it's true yeah. somebody gets a, a larry o'brien and you can forget the fact that they did all the nonsense that they did yeah that's as soon as you start winning that's all i was gonna say yeah anyway okay so let's let's have this movie minute because god knows yes so i told jordan i wanted to do uh from time to time a movie minute because as i told you in the last podcast i'm a bit of a cinephile i'm a bit of a, a movie head amen and so 
from time to time, when out. I see a film that maybe people haven't seen or haven't heard about, you know, something like Joker or Avengers, obviously everybody knows what that is. By the way, I did go see Joker this weekend. Yeah. It, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> let's, let's I'm going to have to see time. it and then, then we'll yeah, get to yeah, it. Let's do but, that. Let's do that. But the movie that I saw recently that was really impactful, not only did I think it was beautifully shot by uh, two people who were born and raised in San Francisco, but it was their debut film. Mm -hmm. They basically got it off the ground because they shot like a seven minute opening for the film and it got so much publicity and, and praise that it got them in front of Plan B Productions, which as you may or may not know, is yeah. owned by Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. So before they know it, they are on the set of Ad Astra being filmed and talking with Brad Pitt about producing this movie, and they green light it, and these guys are like, you got to be kidding me. Um, so now they're able to make this movie. It was an incredibly moving film. The cinematography is amazing. The music is incredible. It goes through San Francisco, which is a city that kind of holds a special place in my heart. I've been there multiple times and it's just a beautiful city for a lot of different reasons. It has really neat architecture. It's a melting pot of cultures, but it's also small enough to kind of walk the whole city. You don't feel like you're just basically passing by the city on trains or mm -hmm. buses or taxis. You feel like you can kind of really immerse yourself in the city. So it's a really cool place. So seeing a movie about this was really fascinating. And one of the big things that I talked about was a key theme was gentrification of a neighborhood. Mm. And I had explained to you that, yes, as a uh, middle-class white person, I didn't necessarily think that gentrification was a bad thing. I thought that it was basically the taking of a low income or maybe high crime or kind of run down neighborhood, bringing some money to it and bringing some different people in and ultimately restoring that community, that neighborhood uh, to a better place. Somebody's going to take that 15 seconds and go off. So please finish yeah. this <laughs> but, but I, But in watching this movie, and this is why I think film is so powerful, because it can explain to you things that you might not otherwise have your mind open right, to. Right, right, yeah. So I realized, you know, what that really means. I watched a TED Talk on it, and now I understand that I was uh, an ignorant white person. <laughs> um, but the, the, the best uh, narratives that, that go through the story, the best themes, is very much friendship, as well as how holding on to false narratives or false truths in your own life can keep you stuck. So I would encourage anybody who has a chance, go see a film called The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and hopefully you won't regret it. That's been your movie minute. Nice. That took like five minutes. I know, right? Yeah. But hey, you know what? That's <laughs> fine. That's, we'll call that a movie minute on CPT. Okay. <clears throat> For those uh, who don't know what CBT is, if you have a colored friend, please ask them. They'll gladly explain it to you. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is a, that does it. I think this has been a good episode. I think that I will end up having to be highly unapologetic to a couple of people. Yeah. But you know what? Very non-controversial. Of, mm. of course not. You know, just all hugs and lollipops mm -hmm. and sunshine and stuff like that. Hey, uh, we will be coming back at you live again next week. Um, I believe that I should actually also have an interview in the lineups as well. So we're Ooh. excited about that. Uh, but until then, folks, my name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And this has been Eye to Eye, Inspired to Inspire. And please remember to continue to be inspired to inspire because that is what the inspired one does. Y'all take care. Be blessed. Thank you for rocking with us. And we will holla at you. Peace. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode of Eye to Eye. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises, on Insta, at Eye to Eye Podcast. That's the letter I, underscore, the number two, underscore, the letter I, podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, Leave those five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be great as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Was that good, Little Bear? Did I do it? Did I do that? Did I like the, the nice white people with the good voices? No? I was just not going to say nothing. Okay, fine. <sighs> Thank you again, guys.
See you next week. Welcome back. So we're going to keep it moving because that's necessary because I'm tired of sounding like the angry black man. I know I don't actually sound like one, but. uh, You don't sound black? I know. Angry black man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we we should we should probably do uh, an episode on that one day. I think that would be interesting. And a whole lot of other uh, stereotypes that probably really aren't real unless you created them. <clears throat> Note how I said that. Anyway, um, 